Welcome back to Contrast Episode 4. This week, the movie we just saw was uh, Stranger Than Fiction. So let's get down to it with this review. Stranger Than Fiction is a movie about an IRS worker who began hearing a disembodied voice narrating his life as it happened. Uh, seemingly the text of a novel in which it is stated that he will soon die. And thus he frantically seeks to somehow prevent that ending. Design aspects. Uh, in more detail, I give the unexpected motion graphics an 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10 for set design slash location choice, 7 out of 10 for color grading, 7.5 out of 10 for color usage. From the trailer, I did not honestly expect to comment much on this movie, but the sudden motion graphics matched with the narration at the beginning of the movie threw that assumption away rather quickly. Uh, the motion graphics were very dull in color and were generally simplistic ca camera tracking bits, but they matched the narration of the main character, Harold Crick's plain IRS auditor representation. And as for the set design slash location choice, the locations picked represented the characters and tone of the scenes pretty well. Uh, although Anna Pascal's house interior felt really off-putting to me. Um, the color grading held consistency and worked well. It matched the intended moods for each scene, and finally the color usage really helped separate the two worlds of Anna and Harold, with hers being more colorful and sporadic, and his generally more plain and dull up until a uh, change in his character. For my review, this is what I have to say about it. In the opening scene... We see, we, the audience, see a typical day in the life of Harold Crick, you know, played by Willie F. Will Farrell himself. He is also an IRS worker, so his life involves numbers. However, in this instance, Harold's life is controlled by them. Harold's world revolves entirely around numbers, the time on his watch, how long it takes him to run to the bus, how many steps he takes when walking to point A to point B, and even the exact number of times he will brush his teeth. Uh, this symbolizes that Harold has more of a focus on numbers as opposed to emotions. The, the close-up shot of, of the glowing watch on the beside table demonstrates that Harold is actually letting the numbers control his life, and he is attached to that watch, that he needs to sleep with it every night. Now, uh, there's no music playing in this scene either. All you can hear is the drone of the beeping alarm, this emphasizes that this is the most important object in the room. After some time in the movie, we see Harold eat a cookie, and that is the beginning of him changing and experiencing new things in life. This uh, brings out more emotion from Harold than less uh, time watching his watch. No pun intended. Uh, this is when Harold realizes his life is not as complete as he thought. He realizes that he does, in fact, like cookies and has only been experiencing life in parts, not as a whole. This scene is an over-the-shoulder shot of Anna smiling at Harold uh, as she watches him experience what he's been missing out all, all along. There is no music playing in this scene either, once again emphasizing the words the characters are saying and the meaning behind them instead of the overall mood of the scene. Another transition from Harold when he comes to terms that he must die. This is a very mature and otherwise shocking conclusion Harold has come to about his demise. He has accepted the poetic end of his life because he has finally realized the purpose of it. If Harold has the opportunity to save a young boy from the death, 
uh, by his everyday bus because of the timing of his watch. This is the ultimate poetic death, which Harold originally being an analytical man would, would, wouldn't have been opposed to, but now uh, his views have been shifted, uh, and he accepts this willingly. Uh, and it is a medium shot, so you can see their facial expressions as well as their body language. The music is a slow tempo created by a piano, but with a somewhat calm and cheery demeanor, implying that although this scene may be sad, it is also semi-happy semi because Harold has taken a new view on life, and although he will die shortly, it is sort of like he is being reborn. Cinematography is a uh, 9 out of 10 for me. Uh, there wasn't too many mind-blowing camera shots, but the analyzation of each shot and how each shot could bring out the character uh, that is what spoke to me and, the, and what spoke to this film. And on to the would you rather portion of this podcast. Honestly, this uh, would you rather is movie related? Kind of. <laughs> so first question, would you rather know how you will die or when you will die? rather go back to the past and meet your loved ones who passed away or ditch the future and meet your children and, or grandchildren to be? I think I'd rather go back to the past. Oh, yeah? Because if it's going to be my future children or grandchildren, then, like, I'm going to see them anyway in the future, you know? I suppose. I wonder, I wonder what it means if I, you'll meet them when you just, it'll just be like, Walking down the street and be like, oh, hey, that kid. And somehow you know, like, oh, that's my kid. And doesn't say, like, how old they'll be. No, unless we're talking about, like, great, great, great grandchildren. Then you'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> then, then you might want to. Then you can ask, then it's actually a good question. Mm. But, like, since it just says your children and, and or uh, grandchildren, it's not. You're gonna meet them regardless in the future, so I'd rather go back to the past. The good old times. <laughs> I guess I'd be fine jumping ahead. Uh, I don't have very many connections with people with my family who have passed away yet, at least. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'd. I don't know. 
rather go forwards in time for some reason. Meet whatever snot I'm having as a child. <laughs> well, hopefully he isn't that way, or she isn't that way. You never know. There always has. There's always one point in their life that they're gonna be like that. Only in the teenager years. No, no, that's when they're younger. Young, young kids like six are like the worst. Next question. Would you rather live one life that lasts 1,000 years or live 10 lives that last 100 years each? I'm going with the 10 years. 10 years. I mean, 10, 10 <laughs> lives. <laughs> 10 lives that last 100 years each. Because I feel like I can do something different each year or each life. Most of these questions are more specific. As if it was like, hey... Ten lives that last a hundred years each. Like, are you gonna be ten different people through those hundred years each time, or is it like the same life ten times for a hundred years? But you can like somewhat change things, I guess. No, let's just go with the somewhat change thing. Somewhat change thing. <laughs> and then, like, if you're a thousand, if you live to like be a thousand, like. Would you just live like normal and get to like your 80s and then not be able to do anything for another 900 something years? You'd be like, oh, I'm 80 years old. Like, yeah, I'm going to live forever, but my body's falling apart. <laughs> by the time you're 900, you're going to be taking like 50 different pills each morning. No, by the time you're 70, you're going to be taking 50 different pills each morning. 50,000 different pills. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I get to, like, let's say I just stay this age, like, 21, just for another, I don't know, I don't want to do the math right now, say I'm 21 for a thousand years, and I'm, like, just drop dead, I guess. Like, I'd be down on that. that. That gives me plenty of time to go learn and visit places and do whatever I would like to do with the time I'm given. But if I'm living 10 lives, then probably just going and being like zero as a baby and then going all the way up to 100 and then struggling for this last 20 or so years. Um, I'm still doing the 10 lives. I guess 10, 10, 10 lives of 100 years. 100 years is a lot shorter than 1,000. <laughs> I'd rather live to only a hundred and then die and start over again and then have to sit there and just on a bed for 900 years. Alright, whatever. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's move on from that question because these, these questions are morbid and I'm not a fan of these so far. Uh, would, you rather, would you rather read fiction books or non-fiction books, Connor? Fiction. Fiction? Yes. Why? Is, is non-fiction boring? You just... You run away from life, See, reality. Fiction is strange, you know. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no. Fiction is strange. No. Stranger than fiction. No. <laughs> but no, I'm serious. I'm also going to do the fiction. Because it's... Well, yeah, non-fiction to me is boring. Well, I guess it depends on what who the person is, but fiction you can just do a lot more. Yeah, fiction's generally... I mean, as far as I'm 
I've noticed like fiction generally generally tends to be more well written, and nonfiction tends to be a little little dry. It's just a bunch of read saying the same thing fifty other authors have said about the same war story or history thing. Not that there aren't aren't nonfiction books like historical things that are interesting. Like there's a book I read for history class last year. It was pretty interesting. It surprised me honestly. But yeah. There's there's a lot more fiction, like world building stuff that people can do. That's interesting. Alright, so for the riddle that we answered last week, we got the answer for you. Now, just to remind you folks what it was, here it is. There is a man who is very rich. He has a daughter who is turning 16 and he wants to throw a party for her. He invited all of the men in the kingdom at the party. At the party, the man invites everyone out to the pool. The pool is infested with saltwater crocodiles. The rich man says, whoever can swim across this pool and come out alive can either have $1 million or marry my daughter. Then there was a splash. They, they looked over to see a man swimming across the pool with his clothes getting ripped apart. He gets to the end and jumps out. Congratulations, do you want to marry my daughter? Or $1 million... <laughs> Congratulations, do you want to marry my daughter? Or $1 million. What did the man say? He said neither. He wanted the name of the person that pushed him in. He wanted to marry the one million dollars. He wanted to marry the one million dollars. Mm -hmm. And next riddle is... Take it away, Noah. <laughs> the next riddle goes... Lighter than what I am made of, more of me is hidden than is seen. Again, that's lighter than what I am made of. More of me is hidden than what is seen. We will be answering that question for you, or the we'll be answering that riddle for you <laughs> next time. And now, speaking of next time, the next movie we'll be watching is Mulan. If you have not seen this movie, you are missing out, and you are very late. Uh, Mulan is an animated Disney film. Uh, the story goes, uh, to save her father from death in the army, a young maiden secretly goes in his place and becomes one of China's greatest heroines in the process. All right. Catch us next time on Contrast.